thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Proverbs chapter 4. I heard you guys came all the way from Germany to hear me speak today, right? Awesome. I'd like to be, for the record, I'd like to be invited to Germany to speak. Uh, I've always wanted to go visit. When I was working on a Doctor of Ministry degree um, at Golden Gate Seminary in California, uh, there was a guy in my group. You went through the four or five years with the, with the same group, and there was a guy in my group from Salzburg, Germany. Salzburg's in Germany, right? Um, where? Austria? Okay. I know, I know. The hills are alive with the sound of music. All right. I should have known that. Austria. He was from Salzburg, and uh, six foot five, big guy, and he pastors a half uh, Caucasian, half Hispanic church in El Paso. Vista del Sol Baptist Church in El Paso, and uh, when we were walking through Chinatown, six foot five looks like eight foot five, <laughs> but uh, anyway, it was interesting. Uh, I'm glad you guys are here. Glad everyone's here. Uh, today, we want to look at the Word of God in Proverbs chapter four, uh, starting in verse 20, and, and I believe that one of the most important truths in Scripture is found here. It's very familiar to many of you, and the first time I preached on this text uh, was because of something Amberly, my oldest daughter, said to me that one of her friends had said. And, and I think that looking back at that and looking at current situation, that this is one of these truths in Scripture that we must, we must pass on to our kids uh, when they're young, if possible. We, we must, but before they begin as teenagers and young adults, to make some decisions that can be life-altering. Before they start to uh, make those big decisions and take those big risks. Before they start to play games with stuff that plays for keeps, I think we need to work into them this truth from Proverbs about guarding, about guarding our hearts. Before that happens. It, now, and I don't want to minimize the miracle of God that can happen in any life at any point, in any mess. God specializes in turning messes into miracles. But if we want to minimize those message, messes, this truth is very important for us to work into our kids, to speak into our kids, to knead like dough, K-E-N-A-D, knead into our kids, and to mold into them as best uh, as we can. Amberly said something to me about six years ago. She said that one of her friends said, you can't help who you fall in love with. Dad, did you know so-and-so said, you can't help who you fall in love with. I'm like, well, yes, you can. The scripture is clear in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 to above all else to guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Of course you can help who you fall in love with. You guard your heart. And it's not just about, it's not just about listen young ladies and single ladies, it's not just about guarding your heart and, and guys too. It's not just about guarding your heart from somebody that doesn't fit God's standards, much less yours. It's about guarding your heart for somebody that he's going to put into your life. It's not about guarding your heart from decisions that can mess your life up. It's about guarding your heart for the decisions and for the experiences that God wants you to have and to, to experience and to become. God says that there's power in our hearts. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 27. Notice it says, My son, pay attention to what I say. 
Listen closely to my words. Now, Solomon's got a lot of wisdom. Most of it, in fact, the really, really good stuff that's in Scripture is from his heavenly father. But you remember he had 450 wives. How'd you like to have 450 mother-in-laws telling you the what for, guys? I love my mother-in-law. But (laughs) just like she couldn't take 450 of me, I couldn't take 450 of her, right? This guy's the wisest man in the world because God gave him the wisdom. But I'll bet you that those mother-in-laws tried to as well. Notice what he says, verse 21. Did not let them, those words, those wise sayings, the truth. Verse 21, do not let those out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Verse 23, our key text. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. John Eldridge is one of my favorite authors. He speaks primarily into the lives of men, but he has a book called Waking the Dead. And he speaks about Fairweather Mountain in Alaska. It's located off the southeast coast of Alaska, in fact, and it reaches some 15,000 feet above sea level. It's got massive granite walls with deep ravines cut by cascading glaciers. And he says, as he writes, that they create an inspiring view. However, this view is only seen on average about 20 days a year. About 20 days a year, the weather is fair, and you can see Fairweather Mountain. The beauty, the glory, they're only visible when the fog clears. Listen to his conclusion in using this illustration. John Eldridge says, 20 days a year kind of sounds like my life. I think I see what's really going on about that often. The rest of the time, it feels like I'm in a fog. I'd love to wake up each morning knowing exactly who I am and where God is taking me. Zeroed in on all of my relationships. Undaunted in my calling as a man of God. It's awesome when I do see, but for most of us, life is more like driving with a dirty windshield. I can make out the shapes ahead, and I think the light is green, and, but the description of the Christian life shouted in the New Testament Compared with my actual experience is embarrassing. I look a little foolish, he writes. Unfortunately, many of us are like the view of Fairweather Mountain. We're like what John Eldridge is talking about with the, with the dirty windshield. We, we know some stuff from the Bible. We know some facts from Scripture. But unfortunately, it doesn't mean much. This proverb, I think, can help clue us in to what can free us to live in the life that God intends for us to live. Look back at verse 23 again. Recognize the treasure. Four principles. Four principles. Many of you students are already bored because school just got out on Friday. So if you would, take out a pen and paper. (laughs) Take out a pen and paper. Four principles for guarding your heart. The first, look again in verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart for, here's the first one, for it is the wellspring of life. First of all, you've got to recognize the treasure. Jumping off of that page from that key verse is above all else, 
and then wellspring of life. Listen, to experience the fullness of our faith, we've got to partake of the blessings of God. And to do that, we have to recognize the treasure that he's given us, our heart, the core of who we are, the core of who we are. Above all else communicates priority, but the, the wellspring of life phrase communicates a promise, a glorious promise. Now, most of the time in the Christian life, we talk about self-denial and fighting selfishness, don't we? we? We most of the time point at deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow Jesus. And that's true. That's valuable. We're not saying that that goes away. What we're saying is most of us fail to recognize that our hearts are the wellspring of life. Could it be that we're only able to truly deny ourselves when we've guarded our hearts the way God tells us to in Proverbs 4? Jesus declared that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mark 12, 30. When describing the kingdom of God, he revealed the things that come out of the heart defile a man. He taught where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Apostle Paul prayed for the saints that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. Similarly, in the Old Testament, we're commanded to trust the Lord with all our heart and to hide God's word in our heart. The prophet Samuel revealed that God does not evaluate people by outward appearance. You remember when God was looking for and showing through Samuel who the next king would be after he removed his spirit from Saul? Samuel, the prophet Samuel, the prophet Samuel, kept getting it wrong. He was looking at this big, strong brother of David's, and he looked at this big, handsome brother of David's, and he looked at this brother of David's that just looked to be extremely wise and, and have insight. And God said, you remember what God said to Samuel? You're, you're looking on the outside, but God looks on the heart. And then David came in, and God revealed to Samuel his choice. God looks at the heart. But perhaps the most Significant verse describing the treasure of our heart is from Romans 10 when it says that by believing in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, we will be saved. Do you recognize truly? Do you recognize the treasure of your heart? Listen, young people. I've been in ministry almost 30 years. Um, I've seen a lot of people let a lot of junk into their hearts and destroy their lives. It's not worth it. It's not worth the risk of, of letting down this treasure and opening it up to a mess, to the junk uh, that the devil wants in your life. Listen to this. One commentator says this, The heart is a mysterious spiritual reality that allows us to experience the fullness of life. Dr. Ryrie says, that our heart is the very core of our life. The very core of our, of our life. It's our emotions, but it's our will. It's our intellect, but it's that passionate place, that passionate spirit within us. Recognize the treasure of your heart. Recognize it. The second principle. The second principle. Look at verse 23 again. Second principle, prioritize the task. Recognize the treasure. Number two, prioritize the task. Look at verse 23. Above all else. Above all else. Now, does he really mean above all else? I think he does. I'm not going to try to do a spiritual backbend up here. You think I can do it? 
No? Nobody? Nobody? Not nobody? Try it. Thanks, Lee. Yeah, Lee wants to see that. I tell the last, the last service, I got in trouble at Disney World last week. How do you get in trouble at Disney World? Well, you know the rides, the thrill rides when you're going to go and then they flash the camera at the scariest part, right? And then you're supposed to, if you know that, you like go, hey, go pokes, you know, or whatever. Well, I forgot to plan ahead that time and I panicked and I flashed the camera. My, my be- got my belly. How do you get in trouble at Disney World? Don't worry, I'm not going to do that today. All right, or a backbend, McCaslin. No, no back. We don't have to. We don't have to try to go. Well, let's go look at the Hebrew text. Although I think that's valuable. Oftentimes, we don't have to do that here. It says above all else, and that's what it means. Above all else, guard your heart. If you were to ask most church members, what are the important spiritual disciplines in the Christian life? Most would say, well, you're supposed to worship. Oh, there's a great T-shirt out there. Worship is life. Supposed to worship. We're well, supposed to pray. You're supposed to get into the word. Some would know you're supposed to lay on hands to bless people and to pray for people. Some would say, Well, I know the one, the spiritual discipline about the washing, the washing of feet. We often think of those, but this says above all else. How do you think it means above all else? I think that it does. It does. Because the treasure, number one, the treasure of the heart. We need to prioritize the task of that that treasure. The task of that treasure. Most of us could testify of an experience when someone used the lame excuse of selfishness to justify an ungodly decision. That's not what we're talking about here. We must understand that guarding our hearts is not selfishness or irresponsibility. To guard our hearts is a command from God through the wisdom that he gave Solomon above all else. By the way, it's Texan. He's talking to the son. This is interesting. He's talking to his oldest son, but he uses a plural you. Above all else, y'all guard your hearts. That's what it says. All of us. It's not just talking about our, our, our kids before they're into, hopefully, but we do this, before they get into their teenage years or their young adult years. Or if they're already there, it's not too late. But hopefully, we've, we've seen the priority of what Scripture has to say. Listen, guarding your heart, guarding your heart is not just about protection. It's not just about protect, protection from the junk that's out there. It it's also includes pursuing and providing for your heart. We often just think of guarding your heart in the area of purity, and that's important. But if you just clean your life up and get clean and you don't replace it with the substance of what God intends to be in your heart, you're just going to have a lonely, empty heart, aren't you? It'll be clean, but it'll be a lonely, empty heart in your life. It's not just about protection. It's also also about pursuing and providing. Reader's Digest article I hope you like this. This is funny to me. It may mean I'm getting older. How many of you have ever heard of Reader's Digest? <laughs> Anybody under the age of 35 raise their hand? Or t- All right, here we go. I got to see the hand carry. Listen to this. Amusing analysis of the dieting trends affecting our culture. The Japanese eat little fat and suffer fewer heart problems than Americans or British. The French eat a lot of fat and suffer fewer heart attacks than the U.S., or Britain. 
the Italians drink a lot of red wine and have a lower risk of heart problems than their Western neighbors. What can we conclude from these facts? You can eat whatever you want, but speaking English will kill you, evidently. (laughs) I love those real obvious conclusions. (laughs) Guarding your heart is more about feeding your soul. Did you catch that? Guarding your heart is more about feeding your soul than avoiding sin. It's about feeding your soul with the good stuff. One of my favorite comedians in the Christian community from 30 years ago, he used to say, if you do the do's, you don't have time to do the don'ts. It's not about don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this in the Christian life. It's about what you get to do in the name of Jesus in your life, and then you don't have time to do the don'ts. The third principle. The third principle is we consider guarding our hearts above all else because they're the wellspring of life in, in each of us. The third principle is this. Number three, minimize the trash. Minimize the trash. Guarding your heart includes seeking God. There's no doubt about that and feeding your heart. But you cannot ignore the instruction to minimize the trash. Look at verse 24. Look at verse 24. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Notice all the action verbs in there. I know, school just got out, but use your brain in here. Notice all the action verbs in there. Just a ton of them. Put away. Keep keep from doing. Fix your eyes. Look. Fix your gaze. Make level paths. Take ways. Don't swerve right or left. Keep your foot. It, listen, it takes effort and it takes action if we're going to guard our hearts the way God intends for us to. If we're going to feed our hearts the way God heart, intends for our hearts to be fed, but it's also going to take action to minimize the trash in our lives. How many of you, if, you're, if you really needed to, how many of you would be honest? How many of you be honest and say, if you really needed to, that you would uh, take a used Kleenex out of the trash and use it. It's just a small piece of trash. It may have even been your Kleenex from before. Anybody willing to do that? Nope, not me. One guy after the last service said, but you know what I have done that's kind of weird? I threw the toothpaste away and forgot to buy more that day, and I came home and took the toothpaste out and worked it a little more, got it out. I was like, thank you. Could we pray right now? Let's, let's stop and pray, brother. Minimize the trash. A little trash, in my mind, is just as nasty as big trash, isn't it? Sometimes more disgusting. The the immorality, the adultery, the drunkenness, the selling of drugs, I mean, prostitution, murder, obviously, stealing, theft, you know, all that stuff is obvious out there. But he's not just talking about these obvious outward kinds of sins, he's talking also about the stuff of the heart, isn't he? About the pride. About the uh, uh, about the, the doubt, as Paxton sang earlier in that new song, about the fear. He wants us to minimize that junk. And also the trap of legalism. You see, some people, when they talk about guarding their hearts, above all else, it's the wellspring of life. All right, I got that. I'm going to take this crazy old school Bill Gothard stuff. I'm just going to just beat my kids into submission. But legalism is a, is a trap. He's not talking about 
the removal of sin as the goal of faith. And that's what happens in legalism. If we could just remove all the sin, then our faith would be strong. No, 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 no. The purpose of faith and guarding our hearts is going forward in Jesus, not sideways into some pharisaical legalism. Are you with me? Some of us were raised in that kind of legalism, and it will beat you to death. Jesus stepped into the most legalistic religious culture of all times and said, are you tired of being heavy burdened and heavy laden? Come follow me. Take my yoke. Take my rest. Take my salvation and take my life. That's what he wanted us to do. I'm not talking about on the cross. I'm talking about living his life. Living his life. The purpose, the goal of faith, the goal of minimizing the trash is not just the removal of sin. It's about walking in Jesus, walking forward and experiencing his best. Trash is trash, big or small, it's still trash. Well, the fourth truth, the fourth truth, the fourth principle, the fourth principle is this, verse 20, verse 20, back to the beginning. Energize with truth. The real energy in the guarding of your heart comes from the truth. Energize with truth. Verse 20, notice what he said to his son. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are, verse 22, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Can I tell you something? I'm still kind of a mess. Uh, just think about what a mess I would be if it weren't for Jesus. But, but when, I was a, when I was a teenager, up until 10th grade, man, I was a mess. I got in trouble a lot. You guys, you guys remember the old uh, Mr. Gaddy's when it was over in that, that other shopping center back in the corner over there, closer to 34th? You remember where 34th zigzags? I hope you weren't there the day we threw a whole bunch of black cat fireworks in there. We lit them and threw them in there. Yeah. And ran. hope you weren't there. If you were, I'm sorry. Maybe my homeowners will pay for your recovery at this point. I'm not sure. That was a mess. Do you know what happened? My, the summer going into my junior year, I got a job, and I went and bought. I wanted a study Bible. I heard people at youth camps and stuff talk about study Bibles. I went and bought a study Bible, and it was a Thompson Chain Reference study Bible, and I accidentally bought NIV. Uh, you would have thought that I, you know, like, blew up the church building or something because I didn't get the King James. But that's another story for another time. But I actually got the NIV, and it was a study Bible. It was a Thompson Chain Reference Bible. And I started reading it that summer that I had a job and spent 50 bucks on a Bible. Let me tell you what happened to me. My junior year, early on, I broke my finger, and they had to take me out of typing. <laughs> I mean, I, I, like, tore this joint and broke this finger, vice versa. On the, right here on the left hand, and they took me out of typing. It was early on that year, and they took me out, and there wasn't anything else I could take, and they put me in study hall. And guess what I did every day for almost an hour my junior year in high school? I took that Thompson Chain Reference Bible to school, and I started reading giant chunks of Scripture during third period my entire junior year in high school. Guess what happened to the energy of that truth? Guess what? Now that Bible is like three times as thick as this. Guess what happened when the energy of that truth got into my mind and worked its way down into my soul, into my heart? It was incredible. It was life-changing. 
not because anything that I did, but because the truth of God's word, the truth of God's word will transform you. Listen, it's one thing to know the facts of Scripture. It's one thing to know the theology of Scripture. It's one thing to be able to take a theological exam and get the right answers and make it 100. Facts will inform you, but watch this. Truth will transform you. Only the truth of the Word of God that sinks from here and some kind of legalistic get the answers in Sunday school and works its way into that guarded heart, only then will that energy of that truth become that wellspring into your life. Too many believers, too many of us, treat knowing Christ as a simple fact instead of a transforming truth. Consider the difference between the following definitions of a kiss. Ready? Students, listen to the clinical definition. The pressing of two mandibles together resulting in the exchange of saliva. (laughs) The pressing of two mandibles together resulting in the exchange of saliva. That does not sound interesting to me, even if I were 13 again. Now listen to Faith Hill's description of a kiss. It's the way you love me. It's a feeling like this. It's centrifugal motion. It's perpetual bliss. It's that pivotal moment. It's, ah, impossible. Ladies, this kiss, this kiss, unstoppable, this kiss, this kiss. Now, that sounds like transforming truth about kissing, doesn't it? Not the mandible saliva thing, right? A lot of Christians are like that. We might get, we might get the definition of, you know, some clinical definition of some scriptural truth, but let me tell you how much more powerful it is to get the transforming truth that settles into your heart and changes your life. Guarding your heart is critical. Listen to me. If you're not working in this into the lives of your children and grandchildren, it, it, it's just sad. Six years ago, I told you Amberly mentioned that. The friend did not take her advice or our advice Maybe she didn't have a chance, I don't know. And the spiral of her life, especially as she got older as a teenager and now as a young adult, it's like a flushing toilet. She's flushing her life away if she doesn't let God do something miraculous soon because she has not guarded her heart. And it it, it breaks our heart when we think about it. Guarding your heart is critical to experiencing all that God desires for your life. You've got to recognize the treasure prioritize the task, minimize the trash. You've got to energize with the truth. Listen to this. Nuclear submarines consist of some of the most amazing technology on the planet. These incredible military vessels can stand underwater for 90 days, but every 90 days the submarine must resurface to maintain proper alignment with the North Star. While underwater, the submarine's navigational system is affected by the Earth's magnetic forces. Because these submarines carry missiles of mass destruction, they must, pay clo- they must pay close attention to keeping the navigational equipment aligned to the true reference point of the North Star. Listen to this pastor's conclusion. The nuclear submarine provides an excellent picture of our hearts. Just as the submarine may have enough physical provisions like food, water, and fuel to survive, it cannot perform at its highest level or complete its mission without maintaining proper alignment with the true reference point. Your heart is the navigational equipment of your life. It must stay aligned with God. By guarding your heart, you stay locked on God's will 
and his wellspring of life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to pursue and to consider a very familiar passage in Scripture. But God, we pray that once again it would settle into our hearts. It would settle into the hearts of those that we love and that we're called to parent and grandparent, that we're called to teach and to form and to mold. God, thank you that this isn't some willpower situation. God, thank you this is a spirit power tool in our lives. So, Father, make these, pa- these words on these pages come alive in our lives. Help us, God, whether it's in relationships or in decisions or it's in friendships or it, 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 it's in finances or wherever it is, God, help us to guard our hearts by being energized with your truth. Father, if there's someone here today who doesn't know you as Savior, we pray that they would open their heart for the first, most incredible time to you. God, you told us that you've written all these things in Scripture that we may know that we have eternal life. If someone here doesn't know that for sure, we pray they'd reach out today. Reach out for counsel about how they can turn from their sin and put their faith and trust in Jesus and ask him to be forgiver and leader. God, if there's a family you're calling to join their faith with our church family here, may they say yes to that commitment you're calling for, Lord. God, if someone here is just in a fog or a funk, someone here just feels like their windshield's dirty, maybe, God, there's someone here who's in that spiral of a mess. They need your miracle today. We're here to pray for them, to speak truth into their life and see you begin to work a miracle in that mess. God, whatever you're calling us to today, we say yes, Lord. And we do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand for our-